Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Dillman. And I'm Stephen Craig. So this week, uh, I've been working more on the um, super simple power supply, yep. mainly on the front panel design. Um, so basically, as we said before, is we want to put tons of LEDs on this thing. Because so why I, not? Huh? Because why not? Yeah, lots, lots of LEDs, different colors. Um, been looking at RGB segmented displays. Um, I kind of wanted to do 16 segments, and I haven't found RGBs segmented displays that are 16 segment yet. Might have to make a design decision there. We we could make our own. Uh, Ma- make segments. our own segmented yeah, displays. Yeah, why not? Well, I've been trying to keep this thing. Uh, the parts wise is stuff that you can just buy off the shelf, and so other people can replicate the project. Uh, how about uh, how about LED boards and 3D printed shrouds? Yeah, that could work. We yeah. can. Ooh, yeah. yeah okay, see? I like that. See, we could talk about this. Yeah. Um. I guess. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, some LEDs I was looking at were the uh, King King Bright's uh, WP ten forty threes, which are like bar graph LEDs. Huh. They're individual, and okay. so you can make your own, I guess, style of bar graphs. Okay. And I was gonna put them in sweeps, and so when you turn the encoder. So there would be LEDs around the encoder, and so it would follow your encoder around. Oh, cool. Yeah, it would a little cool, a little effect there. And then, uh, and I was thinking, like, how many decimal places do we want to go to? On For accuracy? Yeah, accuracy, because I have to have that many displays. Well, okay, so the on the power supply we have right now, which is the Rigel, uh, we bought the option where uh, it has an accuracy of 10 millivolts, or I'm sorry, a resolution. Yeah, of, of, of 10 millivolt and then a uh, current of believe it was one milliamp i i'm i can't i can't remember the current uh, yeah, resolution I can't remember it either. But, but 10 millivolt on the voltage and that's probably more than enough for what we do all right so i was thinking um because i was going to do the two decimal places on on both amperage and voltage so yeah, i have that, enough display on yeah that'd be perfect yeah yeah cool and then uh so yeah an encoder so that you could select what volt um uh, well, you want to set the voltage and current limiting to, and then a keypad for it. You can just punch stuff in. Yeah. So that's because sometimes that's faster. If you have to, you know, instead of rolling the encoder from one volt to 40, you can just punch in 40, enter, and then. You're oh, done. come on. You don't want to program velocity into the. Well, it'll have that, but sometimes it's, you know, the, the like the Riggle has both, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just punch it in, except the Riggle has a weird, like, the numbers go in a circle. Around the knob, yeah, which is really funky. It's funky. It it seems like marketing crap. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a an engineer didn't make that design decision. Oh no, no, no. Because um, it's really annoying to key stuff in on it. Um, ours is going to have a standard phone style. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They. Keypad on it. Um, and then we were talking about last week about um, making an Internet of Thing an IoT device. Yeah. And so I was, I've been doing more research on the ESP8266, which is a very popular low-cost Wi-Fi module. Mm-hmm. Um, doing just some low-end research. It looks like you just talk serial to it. You know, TXRX, pretty simple stuff. Um, so, so I actually, Internet of Things, real quick deviation. I met yeah. a guy who created a barbecue that had a feedback loop, so it kept itself in a constant temperature. And it was connected to the internet, and it would... Well, why was it connected to the internet? Because it would tweet its temperature and what, what he was cooking at, at that time. He could somehow enter it in. 
and say, hey, I'm cooking burgers, and they're they're at this ah, temperature. And, and so your friends would show up right when it's ready. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. The Internet of Things is, is so weird. Yeah, it's... The Internet of Things is one of those... It's like, about a decade ago, it was like, oh my god, everything will be connected to the Internet. It'll be awesome. And nowadays yeah. it's like, I don't want anything connected to the Internet yeah. ever. I, like, I, why, why would you want your refrigerator have a screen on it to show you the news yeah well it's, no, it's, no. That, it's that kind of thing here's the thing here's the only way that i think that barbecue could be more iot is if it had a screen on it and you could scan all the ingredients of whatever you're putting on it and then yeah. it would and then it would tweet that out that would be you know maximum iot what i haven't what i'm surprised it hasn't happened yet is a barbecue with a little screen on it that's connected up to espn <laughs> and so when you're like watching the sports on the big screen, you can yeah. run out, and as you're checking the you know the meat on the grill, yeah, it has the game already on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or and 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 then a second one underneath the lid. So if you have to pull the lid up, <laughs> you got another screen, high temp screen, a high temp screen. Yeah, exactly. You uh, never miss the game. Have you ever seen? Um, speaking, uh, well, I'm gonna keep going on IoT, I guess. Um, <laughs> the gas stations. That actually have a the the pumps have a high resolution display in them. Oh yeah, and they play ads while you're pumping. Yeah, gas. ads. Yeah. <laughs> we need more ads in our life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes they do news and stuff like that. I've seen elevators with that kind of stuff in it too, where they display ads. It's like it's kind of weird that kind of marketing is um, how I guess they must have some kind of metric on whether or not that's effective or not. Hmm. Probably. That, probably. If you can make money on it, someone's going to do it. Exactly. Because um, I, I, at the gas station one, one did pop up with, like, an energy drink. And I'm like, I'm thirsty now. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, no, here's where it gets crazy, is if you pull up to the gas station and it starts, like, like a Mauser commercial comes up. I mean, that's yeah. when it gets scary. <laughs> oh, so it's like it, uh, it knows. It knows. Yeah. Ooh. I guess I... Could be true if your car was also connected, so it knew you were there. Like they RFID tagged your car. Yeah. Good thing I drive an old car that doesn't have any computers in it. <laughs> well, okay. So, so that 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 data harvesting, we won't stay on this long. But, <laughs> but I got a funny story. I before I got married, on Facebook, it'd be like you want to meet local singles or things, something like that. Yeah. Now that I've got married and I changed my status on there, it's like, would you like to buy oscilloscopes? <laughs> I'm like, dang it. Do you want a reverse mortgage? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Thanks, Facebook. That's actually really funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so going back is I've been doing research on the how to make IoT work because I've actually never designed an embedded system to do that. Right. Um, and it looks like one of the easiest ways is instead of talking to like Twitter directly or one of these big APIs is to actually make it talk to a, a server um, basically like a middleman server, and then that server pushes it up to okay. wherever it needs to go. Um, it's a lot. That's it seems to be a lot more flexible. Sure. Um, that might change if I, you know, do more research about it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And uh, you actually just got back from the Iron Yard. What, so what is that? Yeah, so so the Iron Art Yard is a uh, it's actually a programming school. Um, there's a handful of locations around uh, around the states, and uh, one here local in Houston. And actually, uh, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, 
I they were, uh, actually sent me a, a message on um, Twitter. Yeah, um, and I think you you basically said, "Hey, these guys from the Iron Yard, or I can't remember what it was, uh, sent me a message," and and I was like, "Yeah, just go do it." I had I had no idea what it was. Yeah, well, ba- basically, they, I literally get this message from these guys that says, "Hey, would you come do a guest lecture at our place?" I'm like, I don't even know who these guys are. <laughs> so I end up looking them up, and uh, they do they do uh, programming, and they got a pretty cool facility. Um, they focus mainly on uh, JavaScript and uh, um, oh shoot, what's the other one? It starts with an R. Rails. Ruby. Rails. Oh, it's Rails. Yeah, Rails is what. Uh, so they focus on, that- on those two. Ruby, there is also Ruby on Rails. I wonder if that is that. You know, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. For those folks out there, I am not much of a programmer, so I've heard the word JavaScript, but don't know a whole <laughs> lot about it. Um, uh, and Rails never heard of, but they... Chris Chris was, went there once for a lecture once, right? You know... Um, well, gave a lecture. Yeah, I believe he did. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris, the CEO of, of, of Macfab, Macfab went, went there. But they, they actually had asked me to go there and um, do a, uh, a lecture on hardware design. Uh, so I actually, just before this podcast, with, uh, was over there giving a lecture for them. Uh, and that turned out really well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, how how in deep in detail did you have to go about hardware? Or did you not go deep at all well the lecture was 60 to 90 minutes which honestly is pretty long for a general lecture yeah that's a that's i mean you basically gave a one class on on this stuff right right so that what i told everyone is you know how can you condense 30 years of information into an hour (laughs) it's not possible but but what i what i really focused on and and what i thought was a good idea is instead of showing everyone Here's a battery, here's a light bulb, connect them together and something happens. It was more of the things that you don't really see on a regular basis. Because if you want to light a light bulb, go to Google and type it in. You'll, you'll figure it out in five minutes. Basically, I was just showing them the tool sets that they need to know. What's an EDA tool? How do you, the, what's the design process? The actual important things. Exactly. Well, and on top of that, the things that you don't really get told. Exactly. Um, um, and I even showed, uh, actually, the macro watch that, that you designed, Parker. Oh, yeah? I brought the macro watch, and I showed them the whole step from taking a schematic, moving it into a PCB, taking the PCB, exporting the files, uploading them to Macrofab, and taking it all the way to ordering. Um, so the whole shoot and match. Yeah. And uh, they, they really liked it. It was, it was awesome. Oh, cool. Well, hopefully... Uh we get some of those guys, you know, building some hardware. It's it sounded like they were really interested in it. You know, um, did you suggest any kind of platforms or anything like that, or did you just left that up to them? You know, we we, we we suggested Arduino and and Raspberry Pi. They actually had a, a monitor there that was running uh, some some video on Raspberry Pi. So some people were and you're a little familiar. Bit about the yeah, they were a little stuff. bit familiar. But I can guarantee you now they're uh, they were asking a lot of questions and were really interested in it. They're going to go research it. So there'd be like, what, 20 people buying Arduino starter kits tonight. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then spending a couple hours trying to make a light blink. Uh, Blinky. Yeah, Blinky. Blinky Blinky.ino? Yes. I I, I think that's the right one. Yeah. (laughs) Where did that come from, .ino, for Arduino? Um, I don't know. But the wiring stuff, right? wiring stuff? I bet you it came from wiring. Yeah, probably. We'll figure it out. We'll report back uh, uh, whenever we do. 
Oh. Nah. Josh, the sound guy, <laughs> totally trumps us here. <laughs> Comes from the end of Arduino. You are the experts. Oh. No, we just, yeah. we, yes. we pretend to be experts. I, I quit. I'm done. Josh, <laughs> you could take my spot here. <laughs> oh. No, that's no, awesome. That was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. Uh, thank you, thank you, Josh. Amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> shall we move on? Yeah, we'll move on. <laughs> um, and then I just finished writing up. Uh, came out yesterday, or two days ago, since this podcast is going to come out on Friday. The uh, programming for PCB production article, which basically I just cover. You know, how do you program all your little tiny devices quickly and cheaply as possible? Which is uh, pretty important if you want your device to actually be usable in the field. <laughs> um, so I went over, like, different methods. Yeah. Uh, you know, pogo pin. Uh, just start covering pogo pins. Yeah. Dedicated programming uh, connectors. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. We're going to be going over more in detail on each of these later. But, uh... Yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty good overview article, I would say. Super important for people to know. Yeah, very very important information. And it's actually one of the most uh asked questions we have here at Macrofab about their product because they, you know, most of the time they get to us and they have a completed design <laughs> and they're like, "How do I know this thing works?" Yeah. And and so, you know, you know, just like plugging plugging in little tiny wires and or, or plug it into a breadboard for programming is fine if you're building one, but when you build 500 or a thousand of these things, yeah, that's game over. Yeah, some kind of method that all someone has to do is plug something in once and press one button, and it tells them whether or not it works or not. That's a pretty um, getting in, getting programming and testing down to that level is actually kind of difficult. If you have never done it before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the rule of thumb is just dummy-proof it. Make sure that that it takes zero smarts to program it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to our rapid-fire opinions. Okay. And so last week, the RFO section wasn't really rapid-fire at all. No. Uh, so we'll, we'll speed it up a little bit this week. Um, Heathkit launched their new website this uh, week okay um and so i've actually i knew they came back like a year ago um so i took a look at their website it looks like any other web 2.0 website you know mm -hmm. with like you scroll and like the background slowly scrolls backwards yeah that kind of stuff um focus on design yeah it's really design uh ah, whatever um <laughs> But I was looking at what they actually build, and they only have, like, two products, and then plus, like, tons of parts for these products. Do they expect them to break? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, but the big thing I looked at was I was scrolling through, and they have a AM radio. Yeah. First, I'm like, well, does it just does AM. So it's, you know. Does, does AM still exist? Yeah, it still exists. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't have a... I don't have XM or anything like that in my Jeep. So oh, okay. I just have FM and AM. And the FM works most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> um, but this receiver kit is like $150 fucking dollars. Oh, gosh. 
150 bucks for, for an, an AM, AM radio, radio in 2016. I mean, sure. And, no, 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 no. Not only an AM radio, a chore. It's an AM radio that you have to build. Yeah, you have to build the entire <laughs> thing. Now, sure, it looks really nice and it looks the part. It looks like it's from the 50s. Yeah. It's got wood wood grain paneling. Actually, I will say it's from the 70s. Okay. It's got wood grain. It's got brushed stainless. It's got really nice silk screen for the logo, and their logo looks awesome on it. It's like from the fifties, like you know. Uh, Is, did they did they keep the original Heathkit logo, or I did don't they update know. it? It definitely still looks like from the fifties, where it's that like nuclear rocket age kind of look. To yeah, it. the Jetsons kind of yeah, thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one hundred and fifty dollars for a kit that just does AM radio. That's rough. I guess most of it's in the box. The enclosure, Pro- probably. You know, Heathkit used to have some really cool stuff. Uh, Heathkit had like a build your own TV kit, and to build your own TV back then when you were a kid, that's insane. Yeah, and 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 a build your own oscilloscope, and and actually, um, uh, not that long ago, uh, a guy walked into my repair shop and he brought in two Heathkit guitar amps. Uh, and they sounded horrible, <laughs> but but he was still like, hey, I like these things. Can you fix them up? What, what they were they tube or no or no they were state? they were all solid state. What uh, what amps were they running in there then? Or do you remember? Uh, sorry, what was it? What what amps were in there? What um, amps? You know, I I can't even remember. I I I remember I had to replace a handful of transistors because they were just done were, and, were they, uh, were and the like, boards were garbage. <laughs> I can just actually imagine they put in like HK three eighty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no, they were just they were terrible. But he liked them, so it's all good. Yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I guess uh, I have no opinion about 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 that. Um, I think both of us are kind of before the generation of Heathkits. So. Yeah, I I don't I don't expect. I can't see them going very far with it with the fact that an Arduino, which costs, you know, so much less and can do, you know, a million times more, is just going to outbeat it every time. And well, and you say that, too. And then you have the Raspberry Pi Zero, which costs a five. theoretical $5 if you can find it. Yeah, right, right. Um, and that runs, you know, Python and all this other stuff and also more or less interfaces with the physical world pin-wise. But come on, man. It doesn't come in a wooden box. <laughs> so we need to build a wooden box. For the Zero and charge zero 150 bucks With a stainless strip on it. Yeah. And silkscreen some nice stuff and sell it for 150 bucks. We can call it the Pi Infinity. The Pi Infinity. You know, I bet you Raspberry Pi will eventually come out with one of those. Oh, you guarantee it. <laughs> and then... Um, Earlier this week, the Little Box Challenge, the winner was announced for that. And so what the Little Box Challenge was, was a uh, challenge set by Google to build a, basically a solar power, uh, solar powered power converter Uh, or inverter. Inverter, yeah, yeah. And so it turned the DC voltage from a solar panel array into AC voltage that you can plug your blender into. Right. Which is which is one of the weakest links in solar systems. Yeah, the weakest links in terms of, um, well, I think it's probably the second most inefficient part. Right. The most inefficient part is the solar panel itself. Right. And then the inverter would be number two. Um, so the goal was to basically build a two kilowatt power inverter, which those exist. Mm-hmm. But the big thing was to get the power density about a factor 
greater than what already existed. Right. Uh, most power inverters are about 0.5 to 5 watt per cubic inch um, conversion, mm-hmm. and they wanted 50. So that's, that's, that's beastly. Yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty big. And all this would have to go into a 40-inch uh, cubic box. Hmm. So it's, it's pretty small. Um, and other specs was like it needed, uh, it needed to convert 450-volt DC um, with an inline resistor. So that was the simulation of a solar panel. Mm-hmm. And, and you need to bring that down to 240 VAC. Yeah, they did 240 volt. Okay. Um, and I think 60 hertz. Which yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that, that's, that's with 240 volt AC, you can pretty much power, at 60 hertz, you can pretty much power anything in the world on that. Mm-hmm. Um, with the right converter on the back end. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. What, what, and, oh, yeah, what were the results of the, the winning team? Uh, they did, uh, let me see, look at my sheet of paper. <laughs> so the winners were the CET um, Power Red Electrical Devils. <laughs> That's a nice name. Yeah, really cool name. Um, but they were able to do this all this stuff in 13.77 inches cubed, which was tiny. They wow. held a converter, and it was like just in the palm of their hands. That's that's less than half the requirement. Yeah, less than half. And they actually went at 143 watts per inch cubed. So they, uh, what, that's... 143 watts. Yeah. So that was uh, four times, almost four times. The required density. Uh, three times. Almost three times, because it was 50 was the required. Oh, yeah, you're right. Three. Yeah. Almost three. But still, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, and the, the, the trick was they used these uh, what the gallium nitrite. Yeah, G-A-N yeah, transistors. transistors. And so we gave a little look on, on Mauser. Where can we buy these mythical transistors? <laughs> mythical. <laughs> <laughs> um and so we searched Mauser for basically GAN transistors. Yeah. And they, they exist. They exist. Yeah, they're and there. They're, and actually, the company is called Gallium Nitrate Solutions. <laughs> wow, go figure. Um, they're $61 a piece. Per, in singles. In singles. In singles. Um, but they have really, really awesome specs. So basically, like, they're highly optimized to be power transistors, basically. Yeah. They have huge... Uh, Drain to source voltage breakdowns. They can do 60 amps con- uh, continuous, really low on voltage. Um, they have a okay-ish, you know, um, gate to source, so it's only about 10 volts to turn them fully on. Well, no, that, that I think that's that's the maximum because their turn on is the great gate to source threshold. Oh, where's the threshold at? Oh, uh, there it is. See, well, that's oh. that's 1.6 volts. Okay, so you can actually power this off an Arduino. Or a uh, actually any microcontroller, pretty much you can turn this thing on with, okay. without a, without a level shifter. On our cheat sheet here, there's yeah. the the next the next uh, um, statistic or, or 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 thing here, characteristic parameter, whatever you want to call it, the gate charge. Yeah, this is ridiculous. What 13 is thirteen nanocoulombs? Thirteen nanocoulombs. It takes nothing to turn these on. Yeah, no drive whatsoever. And then maximum operating temperature is 150 C, which is also insane. Yeah. Um, so they're just giants. They're just just beefy monster transistors. Yeah, but $61. I mean, Google didn't set a max price for, like, a volume run of these. Yeah. 
I want to bet you this box that they built probably had about a grand worth of parts in it. <laughs> well, and and it's just like any other technology. If they start yeah, manufacturing the these, they will drop. Yeah, I'm I'm sure these these gallium nitride transistors are are difficult to manufacture. Probably, I bet you they have because they have a couple different versions on Mauser, mm-hmm. but they all pretty much look the same. I bet you they're just binned. Is they build one and then the best ones in the wafer are the higher tier ones. Yeah, that, that would make sense. Um, and then they give all the rest of them to you and me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the cheapest one was like 50 bucks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there was not a lot of difference do, in the bins. Do they come in both flavors? Is it an NPN, PNP kind of thing? Um, I only saw NPNs. Okay. Maybe, probably, maybe PNPs are just difficult to make or even not even well, possible. PNPs are typically less efficient overall. Yeah. For given the same uh, same structure. Yeah. Um. Or maybe Mauser didn't even carry them. I didn't do any more research beyond looking at the data sheet that Mauser has. Yeah, Matt Mauser's like, uh, we only want to use positive voltage from here on out, so <laughs> we're we're obsoleting all of our PNPs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are some crazy. Actually, one thing I wanted to look up, I didn't, was I want to know what the physical package is like on this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I'd like to look that up. Yeah, we should we should check that out and uh, put that on the blog. Yeah, cool. Well, I think that's gonna gonna do it for this week's podcast. I'm your host Parker, and I'm Steven. Catch you later. Take it easy. <laughs>